Welcome to the review recap episode of Broadway Radio for the original Broadway production of The Kite Runner. My name is Matt Timonini. As you are, I am sure, aware of by now, if you are listening to this in Patreon, it is a standalone episode. But if you are hearing it in the regular feed, welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, July 22nd, 2022. On Thursday night at the Helen Hayes Theatre on Broadway, the hit London production of The Kite Runner officially opened on Broadway. The play is adapted from the best-selling novel of the same name by Khaled Hosseini. Matthew Spangler did the adaptation, and Jonathan Gerling composed the original music. Direction is by Giles Croft. The book was adapted into a 2007 film, which was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Score. Told across two decades and two continents, the play follows one man's journey to confront his past and find redemption. Afghanistan is a divided country and two childhood friends, Amir and Hassan, are about to be torn apart. It's a beautiful afternoon in Kabul and the skies are full of the excitement and joy of a kite flying tournament. But neither of the boys can foresee the incident which will change their lives forever. Amir Arasan and Farhan Tahir lead a cast that features 10 of the show's 12 cast members making their Broadway debuts. As of recording time, review aggregator site Did They Like It has collected nine reviews, with just one of them being positive. Four are mixed and four are negative. Starting first with Maya Phillips of the New York Times, who was negative, writing, quote, It's easier in the novel to ride the twists and turns of Amir's journey, even as he leaves Hassan behind in the first third of the story. On stage, the play shuffles along, and it's hard to stay invested in this unpalatable hero with Hassan in the rearview mirror. Ran Ja, writing for Did They Like It, was mixed, writing, quote, Indeed, it's tremendously difficult to adapt a novel as complex as The Kite Runner to the stage, where, when a play is driven by so many interwoven plot lines, the storytelling inevitably feels rushed. Deadline's Greg Evans was also mixed, writing, quote, Despite his heartfelt intentions and some impressive performances, The Kite Runner on Broadway doesn't improve in any significant way over The Kite Runner on screen. And it's a whole lot talkier. Sticking on that same thread, Brittany Samuel for Broadway News was negative, saying, quote, What the novel slowly reveals through Amir's reflective point of view, the play just speaks, abandoning all finesse. Like most high school love affairs, Broadway's Kite Runner may be best off forgotten. And though I tend to try and avoid reviews by uh, the New York Post's Johnny Oleksinski, since he was the only positive one, I guess I'm going to have to make an exception in this case. He gave the show four to five stars, writing, quote, On stage, of course, we don't have hundreds of pages to let the ambitious tale breathe. We've got two and a half hours. So the sheer number of tragedies makes The Kite Runner an especially tough story to adapt without turning it into a soap opera, an emotional shellacking. That treacherous trap, however, is shrewdly avoided on Broadway, where a moving stage adaptation of the book opened Thursday night because of the actors radiating warmth and the production's generosity of spirit. It's a straightforward, to-the-point play, but one that's easy to embrace and gripping as it unfurls. The show is currently slated to play the Helen Hayes Theatre through October 30th, so you have a little time to see the show, but... In case you've forgotten, August is next week, so you've got like two and a half months uh, before this show wraps up. All right, that's all that we've got for you. So if you would like to read more of these or any other reviews, I will have links to both the Did They Like It and Broadway World Review Roundups in the show notes. 
If you're hearing this in Patreon, have a wonderful weekend. And if you're hearing it in the regular feed, I'll send you over to the rest of Today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, July 22nd, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanetti. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. I believe this is the first time in Broadway. I can fly. I can fly. Um, No, (laughs) this is the first time in uh, Today on Broadway history that an episode has ever been recorded in Las Vegas. In Sin City. Las Vegas. Technically, I'm in Henderson, but uh, close enough. Close enough. Yeah, I was out. Uh, on Wednesday, so wild to just like go to the grocery store and see the mountains in the background. Ooh. Not something I'm used to, uh, but very cool. I am here for till Tuesday, so excited to see that. Not seeing any theater here, uh, mm. but it's been a, uh, a great, incredibly hot trip when it's like 116 no. as the high. Yes, it is. It's been interesting. I was going to say, uh, this is the first time in a really long time in Broadway radio history where I've recorded at my desk as opposed to like sitting on my bed or couch or something because it is too hot in New York to be swathed in fabric, like sitting on sheets and stuff. So I have to actually be at my desk. I I hate it. I can't stand summer. Yeah, it, it, it'll it'll be gone here soon enough. But um, yes, it will. I promise. Um, but I want to remind everybody that on Thursday, the day we are recording, the Kite Runner officially opens on Broadway. So that Ooh. means that I will be back in the Patreon feed later on Thursday night after to the, the Today on Broadway episode drops with the review uh, roundup of all of those. And then it'll be on the beginning of the episode of Today on Broadway. So you might have heard that already. If not, if you're listening in Patreon, that will be coming to you uh, at some point. Uh, but because I'm on Pacific time, it might be a little later than normal, but it will be in there uh, before it hits in the regular feed because I'm three hours behind, not 12 mm-hmm. hours behind. So, uh, but so stay tuned for that. Uh, and of course you can get all of our episodes in Patreon before you can get them anywhere else at patreon.com slash Broadway radio. All right. So let's get into the news, Ashley, and let's start off with one of my favorite off-Broadway theater companies, and that is the Atlantic Theater. Yesterday, they announced their complete 2022-2023 season and reminded all of us, including myself, who happens to be a season subscriber, that you can save up to 46% on tickets. Memberships begin at $50. Certainly worth it. Uh, and oh, yeah. They've got really super flexible things. Like I bought four tickets basically for the whole season. I just used two at two, two at one show, two at another. And it was like 200 bucks last year. So it is very much worth it when you consider like I got to see the Bedwetter and Kimberly Akimbo off Broadway for 50 bucks a piece. Um, really, really good deals there. So let's dive into what they are starting off with. They will begin their season on September 8th, running through October 16th with a world premiere play called I'm Revolting from Gracie Gardner. It is her off Broadway debut. It is being directed by Nude Adams, who was the director of English that ran at Mm. uh, Atlantic earlier this year at a skin cancer clinic in New York City, not the famous one. Patients wait to find out how much of themselves they're about to lose. 
Then coming up next in the season, running from November 17th through January 1st, will be another world premiere play. You're going to hear that world premiere thing repeated quite a bit throughout this season. It is called The Far Country, and it is written by the Chinese lady playwright Lloyd Su Ooh, okay. and directed by Eric Ting uh, in an intimate epic that follows an unlikely fam- family's journey from rural Tishan to the wild west of California in the wake of the Chinese Exclusion Act. Next up, moving into 2023, running from January 14th through February 19th, is a world premiere musical called Cornelia Street. It features a book by a three-time Tony winner, or maybe not three-time Tony winner, it's his third collaboration, uh, by Tony winner Simon Stevens, sorry about that, um, who wrote the book for the show, and the music and lyrics are by Mark Eitzel, it's directed by Neil Pepe. Uh, in a back street in the West Village, Jacob Towney tries to save the restaurant that has been his family for, that has been his home for longer than he can remember, and release his daughter to the life he dreams she can have. His place is mm. a home for the odd ghosts of the village, it is, a, it is out of place and out of time and running out of luck. Then coming up from February 9th through March 26th is a new play, a world premiere play called Illyria, written by Deepa Poirot uh, and directed by Awoye Tempo. And it is set in Illyria, Ohio, a place I'm very familiar with. And it's, it takes place in 1982. Two mothers collide 20 years, two continents, and two oceans after making a deal of a lifetime forcing them to face the knots of the past and the uncertainty of their inextricably linked future. Then we will have the final play of the season proper. It is a world premiere play, I believe pronounced uh, Simulcrum. It is written by Lucas Hanath and Steve Koifo and is directed by Hanath himself. It runs from May 25th through June 25th. And the, the description reads... Lucas is a playwright. Steve is a, mu- is a magician. Lucas asked Steve to show him some magic tricks. Steve did. And this is what happened. I am so, already so yes. on board for that. That yes, is. absolutely. I'm counting the days. Yeah, May 25th. So it, uh, 10 months away. That's the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> the season will also include the Atlantic for Kids world premiere production of Heartstrings. So, um, very good. Atlantic always does great stuff. Certainly, yeah. certainly worth uh, checking some of these shows out, and especially it seems like you like Lucas Nathan. Magic. Oh, I love Lucas Nathan in general, and pretty much anything that he's put out so far. Uh, so yeah, that's definitely the big one for me. And Atlantic's seasons are always great. I would say maybe they have one miss every now and then, but that's really it. The last thing I saw there was the Bedwetter a couple months ago, mm-hmm. which was, it was cute. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. then obviously before that, Kimberly Akimbo, which I have, you know, yeah. preached Waxed about poetic, as often yeah. as possible. So yeah, another great season coming up for Atlantic. Can't wait to see all of these. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into our theatrical legal news section of the day. And as I supposed on Wednesday's episode, the Canadian uh, version of Actors' Equity has followed their American counterparts' uh, suit, and they have placed producer Garth Drabinsky on their do-not-work list. Good. Um, in a statement, they said that he will remain on the list until such times as all outstanding amounts have been paid owing the members of AEA, all legal actions are associated with Paradise Square have been resolved to AEA's satisfaction, and AEA has removed Garth Garth Drabinsky from their do-not-work list. This effectively limits his ability to produce high-level professional theater in Canada. Uh, Canadian Actors' Equity Agreements uh, only permit the association to place... um, 
him on what they called their defaulting engagers list mm. for failure to meet obligations as part of a project under a CAEA jurisdiction. So they can't do that. But this is about as much as they can do yeah. um, to basically, you know, maintain some reciprocity with the American version of Actors' Equity. I don't know that – I mean, I'm sure there have been productions of Garth's shows in – London, so maybe we'll hear something from the yeah. British version, but I don't know that it matters at this point because <laughs> the different franchise, yeah, the yeah, different installments is. of the franchise against Garth, yeah, uh, yeah good, no, so good. This pretty much hinders him from doing anything, at least you know within North America uh, for the most part. Uh, but good, keep him, keep him away from stages as much as possible. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. In a different type of legal story, in a press release released by theater veteran uh, Chapman Roberts, it revealed that the long-established vocal arranger has decided to file a lawsuit over not being credited or compensated for his work providing the vocal arrangements for the Broadway musical review Smokey Joe's Cafe. This show, as we've talked about before, because it's had an off-Broadway production recently and it was at the Muni last year, this show has done a lot around the country and Roberts did the original vocal arrangements for the Broadway show, which he was obviously credited for, but has not been credited or compensated for any of the subsequent mm. productions. So the defendant, uh, the defendants in the lawsuit include the Rogers and Hammerstein organization. They've since been purchased by Concord, um, Broadway HD, uh, because there was a, a streaming version of it available on the site, uh, Amazon Digital Services, Sony ATV Music Publishing. Um, I, I just, I don't understand how, yeah. like, this happens. And it um, happens so much. We see this so often with productions. It's just like somebody who has worked on, you know, one of the major facets of a show, in this case, the vocal arrangement, uh, just not getting their flowers where they should be. Well, forget flowers. I don't want freaking flowers. He wants yeah. money and well, he yeah. deserves it. I mean, that's the expensive thing. It's like flowers. Very expensive flowers. Like these are like <laughs> exotic girl on the side of a volcano exactly. flowers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's one thing if they are the, uh, like original director or choreographer or especially like the sure. choreographer or even a designer yeah, where those things don't long. carry forward to the original or to subsequent productions. But if mm. they are literally using his arrangements, right. there is no excuse for him not to be compensated None. and not to be paid. And I fault less. It makes sense that they are the lawsuit is against you know, the licensing company and people yeah, who are yeah, yeah. profiting off of that rather than the individual companies, because yeah. that's the responsibility of the licensing company to make sure that that is clear. And then if people, if they make it clear and then the individual productions don't do it, that then it's on those productions. Yep. But this is very much about the licensing company, in this case, Rogers and Hammerstein, mm-hmm. um, not doing their job to make sure that the people that have their work being replicated and being used uh, being taken care of because that yep. is a responsibility of the people who are doing the licensing. Absolutely. Get your flowers, get your money, get it all. Forget flowers. People can be allergic to it. They make you sneeze. Get the money. No one sneezes at money. That's true. I mean, true. not literally at least. But. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to save some of your money, this is a great time for us to talk about our sponsor for this nice. week. Today Ticks. There you go. Solid. I'm a professional. Yeah. Um, 
As you know, and I guess just over by the time you're hearing this, just a little over a week to the day, I will be back in New York City. I still have one slot <laughs> left to fill on my schedule, and I literally have no idea what I'm going to do. Uh, I was talking with a friend of mine, uh, Janie, who I will be going to see a show with on in that slot, but we don't know what we want to see. So we will be heading over to the Today Takes app once we figure out what we want to see, and maybe before we even decide to kind of figure out what is available with great prices, great availability, and in a lot of cases, opportunities to buy tickets that you can't get anywhere else, especially at these great prices. Today Takes has a one-stop shop for all of your theater, cabaret, comedy, dance, tickets, and so much more, and they have the best value in town. You can download the app or visit todaytakes.com to see all of what they have. And what's great about it is, is it just takes a few clicks. It is super easy. And with the Today Takes app, you can check out in 30 seconds and get your tickets with ease. They give you so much flexibility as far as Mm -hmm. the when the whys, the wheres. You can book your tickets months in advance, even day of, and they give you access to things like exclusive pre-sales, limited time offers, digital lottery programs to sold out shows, and day of discounted tickets. Like I said earlier in the week, I was trying every day mm-hmm. for that Richard Third lottery, um, and I'll be doing it again for the next Shakespeare in the Park as well. But it doesn't matter if you are in New York and trying for that, if you're trying for Broadway, if you're in London in the West End, you can also also find tickets in cities across the country and around the world. That includes Chicago, LA, DC, San Francisco, Sydney, Australia, and more. See that show you've always wanted to see or discover something new that you'll love just as much for even less. Go to todaytakes.com slash Broadway and then use promo code Broadway to get $10 off your first Today Ticks purchase. That's promo code Broadway at todaytix.com slash Broadway for an additional $10 off your first ticket purchase. Todaytix.com slash Broadway. All right, let's get back into the news. And we got some news about one of these musicals working its way towards Broadway. We'll see if these things actually materialize. A lot of times they kind of fall by the wayside. But this one is is interesting. We've seen a lot of really good musicals about artists. And here is another one, including Limpica coming to Broadway, presumably fairly soon. Um, this one is based on the real life story of, of artist and activist Frida Kahlo. Uh, it is slated to have its first workshop in 2023 and will feature music by Mexico. Mexican composer Jaime Lozano and lyrics by Obie Award winner Nina Bieber. Um, certainly a controversial life uh, that Truly. Frida led. And um, she's been the subject of films and books oh, and yeah. so much more. So this will be really interesting to see how they reveal something new um, about the very well-known Mexican and then yeah. international artist. Um, Berger said in, a, in a, the press release uh, announcing this said, quote, Frida still has so much to teach us, and I'm thrilled at the chance to honor her life and her work through this most expressive medium. Her spirit is very much alive uh, in our young creative team who continually dazzle me with their big creative swings and mind-bending talent. Mm. Uh, I'm all for it. Like I said, obviously yeah, between Sweeney or with Sweeney, uh, Sunday in the Sweeney. Park. Sweeney is what we're going to talk about yeah, here yeah, next. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Sunday in the Park and then Lempica and and so many other shows talking about 
doing musicals about other artists, whether they yeah. are musical artists or, or physical artists, is always super interesting. So, uh, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, definitely. I'll be curious to see what they do with it. As you said, I want to see something new out of it. So hopefully they can yeah. dig things up from deep in the biography trenches here. Mm-hmm. All right, real quick, the last bit of news before we get into my thoughts on the Muni's production of the aforementioned Sweeney, Todd. Uh, on Thursday, the Broadway production of Six announced the new Queen that it will be crowning starting next month. The show will welcome in Brie Jackson as the new Catherine of Aragon and yes. Bren Lark as the new Catherine Parr. They will yes. also bring in a pair of new <laughs> alternates, Isla Saccone Burton and Holly Conway. And they will be welcoming back Carrie Renee Fuller, who previously had filled in for Jane, uh, 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 for um, Abby Mueller as Jane Seymour when she was mm-hmm. out for medical leave. Um, so she will be back in that role full time. Those new queens will begin performances on Tuesday, August 9th over at the Brooks Atkinson. Joy nice. Woods, who is currently playing Catherine Parr, will play her last um, performance in the role on July 30th, while Adriana Hicks and Abby Mueller, obviously the original uh, Catherine of Aragon and Jane Seymour, will play their final performances on Sunday, August 7th. Wrapping up for new projects. Yep, absolutely. And I mean, honestly, this is getting back to the time where they're their contracts are are, yeah. are coming up. I mean, it's been so weird because they've been associated with the show now <laughs> I was just for two and say, a half it's years. It's been so long, but not really. Yeah, I mean, I guess even longer. That's just on Broadway because yeah. they did all those out of town in Chicago yeah. and all that stuff. So um, I'm happy for them to for any of the queens who stay in that show, which obviously some of them have, mm-hmm. and happy for any of the other ones who decide to move on because uh, there are certainly plenty of folks who will absolutely slay in that show. Someday I will see it. I can't wait for that to happen. Maybe. Someday. Uh, uh, (laughs) All right. So uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about it on uh, Wednesday's show or Monday's show even. I don't don't think so. um, uh, Oh, yeah, because we recorded Monday's show before I I went and saw it. And then Wednesday was a busy day of news. Um, So I did want to share some thoughts on Sweeney Todd that I saw at the Muni and answer any questions you might have, Ashley, because you did accost me for not (laughs) responding to you immediately. I was going to say, but you did text me a response. So, yeah. It was a little late. Uh, I will have a full review on this weekend's episode of This Week in Theater. Uh, so we'll get into that, but just a, a few thoughts here. And I'll get into the performances by Ben Davis and Carmen Cusack and Robert Cuccioli here in a second. But I have to say, going to a show at the Muni was an absolutely perfect experience. Ooh. Like you think a theater that seats 11,000 people would be a nightmare. It was not. Getting Jesus. in and out is is... I mean, it was so easy. We got there early and they had a little like concert going off on this side stage. Um, somebody singing show tunes. It was great. So we sat and hung out there. We went in super easy to get to the seats. And fortunately, it had rained most of the day. So it really brought the temperatures down there. So it wasn't nearly as hot as it has been, you know, the rest of the time. So that temperature was great, but they had these fans that were really quiet, but really moved air. Um, so I loved that. But then from what happened on stage was I have seen so many shows and you and I have talked about them looking at you, Tony mm-hmm. Winner, uh, A Strange Loop, that mm-hmm. had really bad sound design. Ugh. Again, outdoor theater, 11,000 people in the middle Cannot of a municipal believe park. That. I don't think I knew that. I don't think I knew that at 11,000 yeah. seats. Yeah, it is insane. The sound quality was remarkably clear. Ugh. I mean, it was perfect. Like, I, I mean, honestly, and again, because I know all the words, maybe that helped I was just me, about to ask if that had um, a, a thing to it. Uh, I, I, it probably did. But I mean, yeah. like, there were no times when I thought, like, I was straining to hear the vocals over mm. the, the orchestra. It was great. And obviously, 
there's like six minutes of highlights that they put out on YouTube, which I'll put in the show notes. Um, so you can see like the set design and the movement. It, it's a so fairly cool. simple thing, but like just so well done. Carmen Cusack is a shocking, great Mrs. Lovett. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, her and Ben are a little younger than we see a, a lot of performances um, in these two roles, mm-hmm. but she was definitely a little more, and I, I'm going to steal this from somebody I saw on Twitter and I don't remember who it is. She was more of a, of a, uh, horny Mrs. Lovett than nice. maybe we're used to the with... representation I'm looking for. Yes, exactly. But great, wonderful voice, great accent. Um, so she was great. Ben Davis sounded great. Didn't do a ton for me in terms of the acting mm-hmm. department. Um, was a little performative for me while, while Carmen, um, was very natural in her battiness. Um, but they were fantastic. Robert Cuccioli. Legend, you know, just yes. absolute legend is Judge Turpin. Um, you know, just a, a really, really phenomenal, um, production. I was, it was great. The, the woman, and I don't have the name in front of me, so I apologize about this, but the woman who played Joanna was really, really good. Um, and it's actually the second time I've seen a production of, of, of Sweeney in the past week or so. And, um, both Joannas were great. So mm. it, it, it closes on Friday night. So unfortunately, if you're not in St. Louis, chances are you're not going to get to see it. But if you are in St. Louis, I would go. There are some opportunities to get cheap tickets to the Muni. And if you can, highly, highly recommend. <sighs> it will not be me, but I no. am living vicariously. Yeah, we're going to see two Sondheim shows next week. So That's true. But is that ever enough? Probably not. No, never, but never. N- never, never enough. Two in the span no. of like three days, too. I know. Amazing. Woo! All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on TikTok. No, not on TikTok. On TikTok. Uh, wow. Not on TikTok. I'm not. TikTok uh, legend, Matt Tamanini. Yeah, I have one to watch, but not to I know, I've never same. posted anything. <laughs> um, but you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. You, Ashley, where can uh, people find you? Go. You paused just long enough. Yeah. I was anxious. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. Not on TikTok. No. All right, everybody, have a wonderful weekend, and we'll be back to talk to you on Monday.